Quick disclaimer, some stronger-than-usual violence this week, with some beheadings and eviscerations. Uh, Nothing too graphic, but it's there. This week, on Myths and Legends, we're back in the stories of the Monkey King, and we'll see that if you challenge someone to a let's-cut-off-our-own-heads competition, it's maybe a good idea to make sure the other person goes first. The creature this week is that stinky naked man following you around in the forest, and how you can turn him into a tree forever. This is Myths and Legends, episode 317, Make It Rain. This is a podcast where we tell stories from mythology and folklore. Some are incredibly popular stories you might think you know, but with surprising origins. Others are stories that might be new to you, but are definitely worth a listen. Previously on the story of the Monkey King, we had Xuanzang, a monk in medieval China, being given the task of retrieving scriptures from a temple in the West. And to aid him on that dangerous journey, he was given four monsters. Beings who were immortals, but who fell from grace and were trying to earn their way back into the heavens. There was an indigo sandman named Sandy, an anthropomorphic pig named Pigsy, a dragon who pretty much never leaves the form of their horse, and the most famous was the Monkey King, a superpowered, nearly immortal monkey. I say nearly immortal because we catch up to Monkey at the time of his execution, as he kneels down on the headsman's block, ready to be beheaded. Real quickly, before we jump in, there was another story I originally had at the beginning, but it made this episode way too long so it's part of an extended members-only cut. It's available on the member feed and on the paid feed on Apple Podcasts. And if you listen on Apple Podcasts, you should be able to try it for free for a week, if you just want to hear that episode. All right, now back to the show. Xuanzang couldn't watch. Sandy formed a blindfold for himself out of sand. Pigsy wept. The Monkey King, Sun Wukong, knelt down on the executioner's block. This was necessary. Necessary to free the city from oppression. Remember him. Remember his sacrifice. The headsman raised the axe. The evil king rubbed his hands. And his twisted advisors sneered. This was it. The axe came down hard. And the stones sparked. The Monkey King's body slumped. His head rolled away. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, was dead. He had given his life to save the oppressed people of the Slow Cart Kingdom. A few days earlier, everyone was doing a lot better. I mean... Hard to not be if one of your group is being executed. They had just finished wintering with a non-evil family. Nice change of pace. And for the first time had days, then weeks, then months without a monster attack. The family had a giant farm, so everyone ate their fill. And after the red boy thing a few weeks back, then the river and really just the whole trip, it was nice to take a break. Finally, it was spring. And the group of monks said goodbye to the family and continued on down the road. It was a glorious spring morning. Everyone was well-rested with a full stomach. The cool breeze met the warm sun. It was just perfect. A scream. A roar of hundreds of voices calling out in pain and anguish only to be cut short. What was that? Xuanzang called out. 
Monkey shook his head. You know, who's to say what anything is? Monkey said. It sounded like people screaming. People in need of help. I thought it sounded more like a crack of thunder. The Shaw Monk, Sandy said. Or an earthquake somewhere far away without casualties, Monkey said. Wulong the dragon horse neighed in agreement. Guys, it was clearly hundreds of people screaming like Master thought. Pigsy nodded, self-satisfied, before looking at the other two running their fingers across their throat. Oh, wait, they'd have to stop. No, it was clearly a mountain breaking in half. That wasn't good. Monkey, please go investigate the noise, Xuanzang said to Sun Wukong. The Monkey King groaned, took to his cloud, and floated. Monkey blinked from the sky. The mountains were shrouded in mist. It was weird that even he couldn't see through it. Okay, well, now he was more curious than anything. Sun Wukong descended, and, all Wakanda-like, the moment he was through the mist, a massive, bustling city teemed with people before him. Monkey looked around. Okay, whoever did that was really powerful. He heard the sound again, the sound that was absolutely 500 guys groaning and crying out for help. And it was a bunch of monks, working. Monkey looked things over, Okay, they were monks, you know, looked like they were doing well, but not well enough to hire some guys. A lot of monks had to work hard. He had to walk around like so much of the circumference of the globe to get some scriptures. Everyone had their troubles. He began to rise, but then saw why the monks were agonizing. Whoa, two Taoist monks said, swaggering up to the monks pulling the stuck cart. Well, 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 what do we have here? bunch of lazy monks. Lazy monks, the second one said, and brought out the whip. How do you do, fellow Taoist monks? Monkey monk said, having taken the form of a human Taoist monk. The two Taoists looked at him. They didn't know him, and they knew every Taoist monk. How did they know he was actually a Taoist monk? Monkey said it was his first day he just transferred here, but he was super into following the teachings of the philosophy of Lao Tzu from the 6th century BC, when he wrote Tao Te Ching about how humans and animals should live in balance with the Tao, the universe, with the yin and the yang, good and evil, dark and light, everything should be harmonious. It's the sort of thing that, say, a 20th century filmmaker could rip off for a space opera. The monks narrowed their eyes. They didn't know what space or opera was, But the rest of that checked out. This guy was the real deal. Help us beat up these Buddhist monks. Monkey stepped in between them. Uh, why? That felt, uh, you know, like you said, first day, but maybe not so harmonious. If they did something wrong, shouldn't they be brought before the ruler, for him or her, to decide the fate? (laughs) The Taoists laughed. This guy had some stuff to learn. The ruler, this ruler, he was their boy. He did what they said. This was a Taoist town, and it had been for 20 years, ever since the rain wouldn't come and the people prayed. Then, three great sages, three great immortals, arrived. Great sages, the other one cut in. The first one nodded. That's right, great sages. They came and made it rain in the literal sense, but also in the figurative sense, because the acceptance of Taoism among the cities rich and powerful led to money and influence flowing toward one particular religion, and not another. The second monk raised his whip, and the Buddhist monk pulled harder at the cart trying to unstick it. Ha! Yeah, that's what's up. Something smelled off here. 
So Monkey asked more about these great sages, and then he immediately recognized what was going on. Their names are Tiger Strength. Great Immortal, the second monk said. Deer Strength. Great Immortal. And Goat Strength. Great Great Immortal. Yeah, now I got it, Monkey said. Apparently, 20 years ago, there had been a prayer off, and the Buddhists lost as soon as the Great Immortals showed up. Their travel rescripts were revoked, and they weren't allowed to return home. They're like our slaves, the first Taoist said. Monkey watched him raise the whip and the Buddhist monk cower. The Taoist monk apparently needed some help understanding when a simile was appropriate. Okay, wow, uh, those immortals sound amazing. Too bad I'm such a lowly Taoist monk myself. I would love an audience with them, Monkey mused aloud, and then left that little hook dangling there. Bro, you want to meet the three immortals? I can hook you up with the three immortals, one of the monks said, biting. Really? You know them? Monkey gasped. Oh, totally, we're buddies, the first monk said. Bosom buddies, the second chimed in. Bosom buddies, the first nodded. Before the trio left for the city, the Taoist monks had to supervise the Buddhist monks. Twenty years ago, the king was so grateful that he did whatever the immortals asked. The ask was, apparently, taking away all the rights of the Buddhist, revoking their ability to travel so they could never leave the area, and then the immortals further stretched the definition of harmony and balance when they had the monks destroy everything with only a tangential relationship to Buddhism, impress every unwitting monk who traveled through their land into slavery. Portraits of each and every one of the monks were painted and hung in every quarter of the kingdom. And if anyone caught a fleeing Buddhist monk, they would be elevated from their current station. Of the 1,200 that had been enslaved over the past two decades, the 500 that remained there were the ones whose ropes had snapped, who found their secretive blades blunted, who jumped in the river only to float to the edges. Monkey learned this when taking time to interview the imprisoned monks while the Taoists inspected their work, he learned that something else was coming, that someone else, him. Several of the monks in the work camp had dreams. The holy monk from the Great Tang Empire in the East was coming to free them. Someone called Great Sage, equal to heaven. That name sent a chill down Monkey's spine. That name when he was a younger monkey, had raged against the immortals in heaven. That's the name he chose for himself. He took it because all he had found in heaven was disrespect, disgust. Now, though, heaven gave it to him. The heavens had called on him to free these people. They had been waiting for him. Monkey puffed out his chest. He went to go talk to the two doofuses who were using a peaceful religion to oppress hundreds. Hey, you said all the Taoists were considered family of the king now, right? Two monks nodded, yep. So, since I'm a Taoist, and if I found a family member among the enslaved, oh, bro, we would let them go immediately, of course. The two Taoists looked at each other in agreement. Okay, well, uh, I found my relative, Monkey said. All of them, he scratched behind his ear. The monks laughed, what? Monkey nodded, yeah. All 500 were his relatives. Let them go. Okay, but one, maybe. Even that would need approval from the king, but all 500? No, you're being ridiculous, the two men said, and turned back to their work of making other guys do the work. I'm going to ask precisely two more times, 
and then I'm going to cave in your skulls with my magical staff, Monkey warned. The two Taoists looked at the diminutive stranger without anything in his hands. The first laughed again. Uh, he would save them all some time. The answers to the next two questions were no and no. He got through most of the second no, before Monkey made good on his promise with one swipe. The Buddhist monks were terrified, worried about their own punishment. But Monkey held up his hands and transformed back into his simian form. They needed to fear no more. He, their savior, had arrived. They were free, and they were grateful, but still scared. They couldn't travel anywhere in the kingdom. They would be arrested and tortured for leaving. So that's why Monkey shook. And his coat had less body and bounce, because 500 hairs flew from his back and head, wrapping around the fingers of the now formerly enslaved monks. The monk told the crowd that all they had to do if they were at risk of arrest or imprisonment before they left the kingdom, was hold up their fist and say, Great sage, equal to heaven. No one would dare stand in their way. One of the monks apparently had to try it. I mean, I would too. He held up his fist and uttered the words, and immediately the hair unwound from his finger, hovered in front of him, and transformed into what could only be described as the rock if the rock was a lightning elemental. A being made of thunder muscles, holding an iron rod. When you want it to disappear, just say, cease, and it will go away. Monkey smiled as the monk did just that, and the hare returned to being a hare. Some monks kissed Monkey's hands and embraced him, thanking him for freeing them. All soon ran, breaking into dozens of different directions, having hope for the first time in years. We'll see what freedom fighter Sun Wukong looks like, but that will be right after this. There's something I have to do, Monkey said to Xuan Zong, as he led about a dozen monks who wouldn't leave him back to the party in the woods. He explained the situation and Xuan Zong, despite this being a little bit of a role reversal, with Monkey wanting to stop and help people, and him wanting to get back on the road, couldn't help but be moved by his pupil. Monkey was growing. He wouldn't stand in Monkey's way. There was a monastery nearby, where the Buddhist designers had unwittingly hedged their bets against state oppression, when they carved an image of the king onto one of the interior walls. The king had refused to tear it down, but it had remained empty for years. Xuanzang could hide there while Monkey and the others freed the city from the immortals. Xuanzang agreed, and the monks went to the temple. In the night, Monkey tossed and turned. Tomorrow was the big day. It was the day he fulfilled his destiny, or I guess rather a small portion of his destiny, and freed these people. He sat up. He couldn't sleep. He shook Pigsy, lying on the cot next to him. Pigsy! 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 Pigsy, are you awake? He did this for a couple of minutes until Pigsy finally responded. Yes, he was, not to get mad, but what did Monkey want? Monkey smiled. They had been traveling for so long, they needed to cut loose. They needed a night out. The Shaw Monk, Sandy, was also awake after Pigsy and Monkey woke him up. Together, the three slipped past Xuanzang into the night. Music 
next morning, Monkey, Pigsy, and Sandy returned. High-fiving, that was a good time. They needed that. They found Xuanzang dressed and ready to go. Monkey asked what he was doing. Xuanzang replied that, well, their mission was still the scriptures in the Thunderclap Temple in the West. And while Monkey felt for these people, they should probably get moving. So, Xuanzang was going to go to the king and get his rescript certified so he could travel through this land without interruption or arrest. Monkey said, but but his master would be arrested? Xuanzang said, not if you're there, right? And it should force the issue. Monkey said, yeah, but, but nothing. They were leaving. Let's go. The king, for his part, wondered why his constables didn't immediately arrest a Buddhist monk on sight. You see, the whole persecution of the Buddhists thing was partially the work of the three demons that had taken control of an entire religion in the city. But they also only gave that cart a small push 20 years ago. Turned out that the king, for his zeal, for a religion proclaiming peace and harmony, wanted to violently snuff out all others. He was about to send Xuanzang and his monks down to the work camps when his advisor stepped in. Uh, yeah, so these guys were from China, the king said. Okay, it was called the Tang Empire, and it didn't comprise all of China, but sure. I mean, maybe look at a map sometime, but sure. What was the advisor's point? The advisor said, well, the thing was, the court of the Tang Emperor was 10,000 miles away from here. These guys traveled 10,000 miles from China, a feat that's all the more impressive because the continent of Asia is only 6,000 miles wide. The road there is just replete with monsters, every type you can think of, some repeats, a lot of repeats actually. Point is, we don't think we should mess with these guys. Whatever got them here is something we don't want to deal with. Just certify their travel rescripts and let them go, please. The king was about to say that that's ridiculous, but then he saw the monk flanked by a staff-wielding monkey, a sinister-looking sandman, and a, a pig with a rake. He thought about it. Yeah, okay. He would make his first exception in 20 years and let these guys go and not enslave them. You're welcome, Buddhism. He signed off on Xuanzang's documents and very hospitably told the monk to leave town immediately, but then dropped to his knees in deference. They were here. From the floor, he begged to know why he, the king, was being graced with the presence of the three immortals. The immortals looked at Monkey, Sandy, and Pigsy and said, good. They had feared these monks would run. They were here so they could be arrested. The king looked up. What? Tiger strength immortal strode forward. These three, last night, broke into the temple and committed a terrible sacrilege. They took the form of the three greatest beings in Taoism, ate all the sacrifices, shoved holy symbols in the toilet, and, when the immortals themselves fell for it, made them drink their pee. Xuanzang turned, wide-eyed, to Monkey. Monkey, is this true? He whispered. The monkey said, of course not. He wouldn't make someone drink his pee. He wasn't a monster. He relieved himself into the vessels presented, and... The three immortals drank it, thinking it was holy water. That was really their bad. Monkey stepped forward. This was all a hefty accusation. What proof did they have that it was him? You screamed, You just drank Sun Wukong, the Monkey King's pee, before crashing through an actual wall to make your escape. 
tiger strength immortal said. Monkey smiled at his master sheepishly, mouthing an oops. He killed two of our monks and set 500 slaves free, tiger strength accused. Oh, and did you see this? Sun Wukong asked. Tiger strength replied, no. One of their monks did before a lightning guy beat him half to death. Hmm, monkey grimaced, is this what passed for due process in this kingdom? <laughs> the king said that this was an absolute monarchy. There wasn't due process, but all right, here's the thing. If Pilgrim Sun Wukong could solve the drought they had right now, he would let the Tang monk, Xuanzang, and his disciples resume their journey to the west. If not, they would be publicly beheaded. Deal, monkey clapped. The other three looked wide-eyed, seriously. Monkey shrugged. They had faced way worse than this. Uh, really, how hard could it be? Not very, it turned out. The immortals did have power, and when they rose to the top of the tower and began their ritual, the wind began to pick up. Monkey looked around. Hey. In an instant, he turned invisible, replaced himself with himself, an image of Sun Wukong standing there bored, and Sun Wukong flew up and... Old woman of the wind, cloud pushing boy, fog spreading lad, what are you three doing here? Monkey barked at the three invisible dragons who had their bags open, about to spread wind and rain. They, they were about to start raining. They were summoned? Oh, cool. Hey, mind waiting a few minutes for when I ask you? We're trying to settle a whole thing for the Tang Monk here. You know, the guy who's, you know, trying to save everybody. And if you remember... I'm the guy who stayed quiet about the Iguana Boy incident. The three dragons looked at each other. No one needed to talk about the Iguana Boy incident. Also, I'll beat you. To death, if that's even possible, if you say no. The three invisible dragons said that they were totally happy to help out the Tang Monk. So fun. The Monkey King flew back down to his body and enjoyed Tiger Strength Immortal stewing in his own impotent rage for a few minutes longer than was probably necessary before Monkey stepped forward and ascended the tower. The rod shrunk in his hand, and Monkey tapped the wood of the railing twice, before clearing his throat. <clears throat> All right, here we go. The immortals on the ground could see them. Sandy and Pigsy could see them, but no one else could. Sun Wukong started tapping to the beat, and almost immediately, the wind started. Monkey had no idea what he was doing, and frankly didn't care. When the gust that picked up was so strong, it began tearing down houses. The king braced himself and the clouds rolled in. Monkey had a lifelong hatred of corruption that he held since earlier that week. So when lightning clouds formed above them and the invisible dragons saw that the monkey king was pointing out the corrupt monks to be vaporized by lightning, they didn't have orders that contradicted that. Yeah, okay. One by one, monkey took the high road by way of the low road and struck down the monks. Then the rains came. Minutes later, the king, whose chair his subjects were raising so he could avoid the floodwaters, was screaming out that Monkey had won. He made it rain. Monkey shook his head. Sorry, he couldn't hear the king over all the rain he had summoned. What was that? I was just kidding. He pointed his staff to the sky. The clouds parted and the rain stopped. The grace, panache, and bravado. Wow. The king clapped. I'm an extremely bigoted man when it comes to religion, but you, sir, have won me over it. 
at least where dancing monkeys are concerned. Monkey thanked the man, but the king continued. But there have been some ugh, accusations regarding your performance. Look, if it were up to me, then I'd let you go. But those immortals can be real sticks in the mud about rules. They said you piggybacked off their ritual? Pigsy was about to step forward and say that that was actually deeply offensive to pigs, but Monkey waved him off. He thought the king might say that. Monkey addressed the immortals, standing to the side of the throne. If they wanted to, they could call the dragon kings here and have them say who they were supporting, because they could do that, right? They knew the way to summon the dragon kings and not just some hacky ritual they cobbled together. Of course, but since Monkey hadn't dismissed them yet, he was low-key extorting them after all, remember the Iguana Boy incident, he would call them. Call them he did, and the hall filled up with spirit dragons. As they disappeared, the king immediately stamped Xuanzang's rescript, but before he could hand it back, one of the immortals snatched it. He couldn't believe what he was hearing. This king, they had supported him for 22 years, and here he was, letting a murderer go? The story says the king was a confused man, but he was more so indecisive. He yielded constantly, not just to the strongest argument in the room, but to whoever was making an argument at any particular moment. He held up his hands. Uh, what if they did one more contest, huh? Just so everyone was happy. A monkey said, yeah, sure, another contest. It was only their lives on the line. Oh, good, I am so glad you understand. The king, visibly relieved, summoned the other two immortals in to decide on the contest. We'll see what the final, final, final contests are, but that will, once again, be right after this. Monkey paste, oh no. Okay, this wasn't good. He could kick down a wall, he could kill monsters, but sitting still for any amount of time, that was nearly impossible. Monkey had met his match. Meditation. Xuanzang patted Monkey on the back. Would Sun Wukong just chill out? He had this. The three looked at Xuanzang. Xuanzang was gonna do something on this quest? That was surprising. Oh, Okay, wow, was he sure? Xuanzang explained that before he left on this nightmare quest of a journey, he trained under the lofty masters. His old record was two, no, three years meditating? Monkey cocked his head, wait, for real? How had they never talked about this? Xuanzang could meditate for three years straight? That was amazing. Xuanzang crossed his arms in pride and then rethought the pride thing, his issue with this particular contest, though, was that you had to ride a cloud up to the top of the pedestal. The immortals could do that because they were obvious demons. Even Xuanzang could see at this point. Monkey grinned, though. He could solve that problem. Wait, doesn't you turning into a cloud kind of break our quest? Pigsy put his hoof on Monkey's shoulder. They'd been saying the whole time how Xuanzang was too heavy to carry to the west. And he is, no offense, Monkey said. Xuanzang shrugged. He didn't care. He was happy with who he was. Monkey said he would transform into a rainbow cloud and jump himself. It would be difficult, but he could do it. And he did. For a casual ride up to the top of a pillar on a cloud, 
there was a whole lot of screaming from Xuanzang. The immortal looked up at him, panting and scowling at his cloud, who panted almost as much. Xuanzang settled in, but a mere three hours of sitting completely still, and he was already having a problem. His nose was twitching. If he moved his hands at all, he lost. Monkey traded places with an illusory version of himself again, buzzed up as a fly, and yeah, the slow cart kingdom, as it was called, had bedbugs. Well, two of them. Two that were only biting this one guy. Monkey looked down and didn't see the other two immortals. Hmm. Well, if that's how they wanted to play it. Seeing as Monkey was standing down with the others, no one thought the seven-inch-long centipede that crawled up to the platform was him. They all shrieked when it inched up the outside of Tiger Strength's robe, and they winced when it crawled across his face. Tiger Strength tried to keep it together, but you can only take so much, and he had pretty much the same reaction as we all would, to a seven-inch-long centipede on his face. He screamed, fell backwards, and if it hadn't been for all of his supporters helpfully breaking his fall, by him accidentally breaking them, he would have died. The contest was, of course, three contests, so next up, it was a trivia battle, with it being Bilbo Baggins' rules of, what have I got in this chest? Xuanzang and Monkey worked together on this one. Monkey changed his form into a cricket and slipped into the chest, and swapped out the robes that were in there, by turning into a cassock himself. Xuanzang won again, and the immortals screamed that he was cheating, a fact that they only knew because they themselves were cheating. The final final contest was one that Xuanzang couldn't do, because it seemed obviously positioned to straight up murder someone. The three immortals had trained in martial arts, and they could cut off their own heads, disembowel themselves, and boil themselves in oil. But the, you know, the other guy had to go first. Yeah, love to, Monkey said, replacing his decoy. The immortals said, really? Cutting off his head? Monkey's traveling companions also looked to each other. What were the limits to his abilities, exactly? Monkey said that when he was younger, he met someone who taught him to cut off his own head. He had never technically tried it, but no time like the present, right? Xuanzang said that that seemed exceptionally risky, like, why were they doing this again? Xuanzang was not approving of this, but didn't Monkey usually just, like, beat things with his rod? Hearts and minds, boss, hearts and minds, Monkey said. Could they just leave? Sure. But he was trying to win this place over, so it stopped its oppression. But seriously, this better be the last contest, because if not, he was going to plaster all their hearts and minds on the palace walls. Then he cracked his neck and rotated his shoulders. All right. Hey, when he got up there, he was going to say a bunch of dramatic stuff. It would play real well for a Tarantino-style, start-at-the-end sort of thing. Don't get freaked out. He'd be fine. There was only like a, I don't know, 60% chance he would die. Xuanzang's eyes widened. That wasn't a great chance. So this is where the episode opened, with Monkey playing it up and getting his head cut off. Pigsy dropped to the ground, wailing. It was a dark day. Did I do it? Oh, it worked. I'm alive. This is wild. Monkey's neck hole screamed. Everyone in the area marveled as Monkey stood up, wobbled a bit. His balance was off because he didn't possess an inner ear, because he didn't have a head. He balled his monkey fists, grunted, and pop. 
his head reformed. Whew. He looked off. His head was supposed to return to him like Thor's hammer. Ah, no matter. Schwanzong, Sandy, and Pigsy all ran to him. That was amazing. Monkey thanked them, but said he probably can't do that too many more times. He looked up to Tiger Strength Immortal, standing there frozen. Your turn. It took so many guards to wrestle Tiger Strength Immortal to the block, but they managed. When the axe came down on Tiger Strength, though, his head neither returned nor regrew. The moment it left, the people saw the orange fur of the tiger. The tiger who had become a demon, the demon who became a priest, and the priest who made the poor decision of taking on a monkey king. Tiger Strength Immortal disproved his own name, and he was dead. One down, what's next? Monkey looked at Deer Strength, who said, What was going on? Wow, this sorcerer guy here used some magic to turn his fellow immortal into a beast. What are we doing next? Evisceration, right? Turn out our guts? Good. The food I ate at your temple last night was way too rich. And he wasn't joking. After the executioner drew a knife over his belly, and his guts flooded out all tauntaun-like, Monkey grabbed the knife and removed all the food from his intestines himself, asked for some water, and spent like a half an hour scrubbing. He said he was glad he caught all this before it got further down, if you know what I mean. It's a diarrhea joke, Monkey laughed. Good times. Not so good, it seemed, for the deer strength immortal. After Monkey sewed himself back up, deer strength laid down on the block. It was good. It was fine. In and out. He could survive this, as long as nothing weird happened. Well, the hawk that, oddly enough, was wearing a gold headband like Monkey wore, flew down when Deer Strength's guts were outside his body and snatched them. Deer Strength Immortal shrieked, and when everyone looked to him, they saw a white deer laying on the stone. How could he do that to my brother? Kill him and turn him into a deer, Goat Strength said. The king blinked, yeah. How? The final, final contest was bathing in a cauldron of hot oil. Monkey was glad for a bath, got in, and the oil bubbled all around him. This, this was real nice. Then he looked up, not to the obviously panicked goat strength immortal, but to Pigsy. Pigsy and Sandy were amazed. Now, Monkey had this one, but it dawned on him, at that moment, that he, he had been really doing all the work here. And amazed? How could they possibly be amazed? Did they not think he could handle this? Monkey might be on a journey of growth and discovery, but he's still Sun Wukong. He had this one. The goat was going to turn into a succulent demonic feast the moment it touched the oil, but he was going to make Pigsy regret slightly delaying his awe of Sun Wukong. Oh no, I'm frying to death and burning oil, Monkey cried out before lowering his head, blowing bubbles in the oil. Monkey could only snicker under the oil, in the form of a tack, thinking about how Pigsy and Sandy were panicking. They weren't. I mean, well, they kind of were. They were annoyed at Monkey, but the guy literally just cut off his own head, and he had been fine in the oil. This, this was a bit. The guards, though, didn't see the humor, and threw them to the ground and bound them. Could we maybe say a few words for our friend, Sun Wukong, Xuanzang said? face pinned to the ground by a boot. The king told the guards to halt. Yes, you know what? That was a kindness. Sun Wukong was a truly worthy adversary. Yes, 
they could go up to the cauldron and say a few words. When they approached, servants were skimming the cauldron. Wow, not even any bones. Didn't really make sense, but they watched a monkey man cut off his own head and eviscerate himself today and live, so they were kind of reevaluating reality. Xuanzang knelt by the oil, his face sweltering. He was honored by the love Monkey showed all of them. He prayed that, in death, Monkey's mind and heart would not stray. He would see Monkey again, his dear, dear friend. Really? Pigsy said, squeezing forward. No, no, no. He did this. He got in over his head. He was always courting disaster, the fool. Well, now he was a deep-fried fool. Hey, Ban Horseplague, you hear me? You got what was coming to you. Finally. Sandy was quick to make a sand wall to shield himself, Pigsy, and, most importantly, Xuanzang from the oil when Monkey emerged. Fool. Who was Pigsy calling him a fool? He would show... Oh, yeah, no, he was still alive. Good thinking, Pigsy, Xuanzang whispered, getting him to come out by being mean and insulting. Pigsy said yes. That was what he did. How do we know he's not a ghost? One of the king's generals yelled. Monkey turned his staff into a giant iron weight, like a thwomp from Mario, and turned the man, quote, into a meat patty. The king, wide-eyed, said yes, it was legit. When Goat Strength Immortal melted like a Nazi at the end of an Indiana Jones movie, when he hit the boiling oil, the king conceded that maybe he had been tricked. Monkey dragged Tiger Strength, Deer Strength, and Goat Strength's bones before the king. So what did he notice about these three? They might not be real Taoist immortal priests, the king winced. Wow, you think? Monkey said. The king had a year left, maybe two, before they killed him and just took over the kingdom. They were simply three beasts from the forest. A tiger, a deer, and a goat. They had lived so long they had a choice to make. Take the high road, cultivate themselves until they could rise above, or the easy road. Exploit and consume. They weren't Taoist priests. They believed in nothing beyond their own appetites. The king asked what he should do now. Monkey bobbed his head from side to side. Well, as a start, if priests for a religion of peace, acceptance, and balance are telling you to hold slaves and execute non-believers, if they aren't practicing what they preach, maybe don't listen to them. Maybe see them for what they are. The king snapped his fingers. The monks. He called his messengers to him. Go out to the farthest reaches of the kingdom. Tell the monks they are safe to return. We won't hurt them. Tell them this isn't a trick, like the last time a bunch of them escaped. The king froed his brow at Xuanzang. Sorry, it had been a long 20 years and he had a lot to seek forgiveness for. The monks, for some reason, came back. And when they heard the story of how three demons had twisted an entire religion, but had been defeated by Pilgrim's son, the Monkey King, they rejoiced. They relaxed their fists, and hairs fluttered back to Monkey's side. The king prepared a vegetarian feast for the monks and Monkey told them that he was getting a new start. Honor the Buddhists, honor the Taoists, and nurture the talented. If he did this, his kingdom would be secure forever. Xuanzang was surprised by how eloquent and wise Monkey could be. Monkey bowed and accepted the praise of the assembled monks, not with pride, but humility. The gods had given him a destiny. 
and he had fulfilled it. Sure, he murdered like three people and made some guys drink pee, but since those were the only two things he had done, he was showing real progress. He tried to tell Monkey this the next day on the road, but Monkey only waved him off, saying the lofty, heaven-oriented things were Xuanzong's business. He just wanted to stop some demons. That was his thing. Still, Xuanzong caught Monkey looking off into the distance with a small smile, and he took heart. Even an evil, rebellious monkey could show change. Next week is the story of Hephaestus, and we'll see that when at first you don't succeed and get thrown from Olympus, try, try again, and get thrown from Olympus again because dad hates you. If you'd like to support the show and get access to not only extended cuts of episodes, but bonus and ad-free shows, check out mythpodcast.com membership, or check out Myths and Legends Plus and Apple Podcasts. They're basically the same thing. Creatures this week are the tree people, from the folklore of the Cordeline people in what is now Idaho, Montana, and Washington in the United States. We should all take time, if we can, get out there and appreciate nature. Get into the woods and take it all in. Particularly that tree, the tree you think might be a smelly man wearing nothing more than a buffalo skin. Lock in on that one and just keep staring because yeah, when in doubt, it's a smelly stranger who is watching you from the darkness of the forest. The hills don't have eyes, but the trees do. We don't know their motivations. We don't know what drives them to watch us from the shadows. But we do know that they are incredibly smelly. And when humans think they might be followed, and they call out to the tree men to, hey, cut it out, the tree men turn into trees. Or bushes. You see, if that tree or bush looks suspiciously smelly and or recently transformed, it might, in fact, be a tree person. Also, tree person is only a likely translation of a word that surpasses even Welsh in my inability to pronounce it, so I'm not even going to try. It's in the show notes. Anyway, we do hold some power over stinky, naked men in the forest, and that's a statement I never thought I'd say, but here we are, because the human gaze locks them in the form of a tree, keeping them from ever changing back. I'm not sure why, and I don't know if you knew this, but I'm a human, and I don't mean to speak for all of us, but... I have a live-and-let-live live philosophy when it comes to mythological creatures. I mean, as long as they're minding their own business and not being weird, I'm okay with them remaining in human form and certainly don't mean to turn them into trees forever. If this is playing on a speaker while camping, I'd like to apologize to any tree men I've inadvertently trapped. Please don't be weird next time and watch people. I wish you all the best and, and that you can change back. And if you can't, we'll, uh, we'll try not to cut you down. That's it for this time. Myths and Legends is by Jason and Carissa Weiser. Our theme song is by Broke for Free, and the Creature of the Week music is by Steve Colmes. There are links to even more of the music we used in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>